Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into the Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight. After Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis on GroundZero.radio, the Aftermath FM, soon-to-be Ground Zero app, Talk Stream Live, the Paranormal Radio app, and others. 
our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can find the links to the different players there. You can also search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player to listen for free and to download the show for free, Monday through Friday. Some shows earlier this week, we had Anthony Tyler on. A lot of great shows last week as well. Tonight we have Frank from Quite Frankly on the broadcast to talk about the Warhol-like footing of, for lack of a better word, environmentalism or climate activists. We'll talk about all of that with Frank and also here in the first hour. But if you'd like to subscribe to the show archive to help us out, you'll also get access to the montages, the digital copies of my books, and more. You'll support the show and support yourself. www.thesecretteachings.info Subscribe there. You'll get a private RSS feed. It's all pretty self-explanatory on the website. Anybody who's done that, I super-duper really appreciate it because it keeps us on air. Anybody who's bought one of my books, I really appreciate it because it keeps us on air and allows us to continue to do what we do five nights a week, going on 13 some point, 14, 15, who knows how long we'll do this. I hope to do it for the rest of my life. I, I hope to be like 70 or 80 and be like, yeah, I've done this for, if I'm 70, I've done this for 50 years. I want to be able to say that. So we got 13 under our belt. We'll see how many more years we can cover here on The Secret Teachings. If you keep supporting us, we'll continue to be here. If you want to contact the show quickly, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. You can email us there. I don't have an assistant or a secretary, so the email goes right to me. Please give me some time because I don't have all that. So I have to deal with the books and the subscriptions and, you know, the comments and other, you know, contact uh, mediums like Twitter and Facebook. So rdgable at yahoo.com. You know, nowadays, acts of vandalism against statues, books, priceless cultural art, artifacts, signs, whatever, are justified by zealous cults. It's like, it's okay to tear down a statue. It's okay to vandalize something. It's okay to loot. As long as you're doing it in the name of somebody who has darker skin, or as long as you're doing it in the name of making sure that, you know, I guess the the trees are happy, plants are happy. I'd imagine that most of you have seen that a Vincent Van Gogh painting was vandalized, or at least The vandals attempted to vandalize the painting. There was a screen over it, so they didn't actually vandalize the painting. They did damage the frame of it. But Vincent van Gogh's sunflowers painting, protected by a casing, was attacked by two protester vandals that threw Heinz creamy tomato soup on the priceless work of art. And uh, I was thinking it's a good thing it wasn't chunky soup. Could have, you know, cracked that plastic or glass covering. But that wasn't enough. They then decided to glue themselves to the wall and scream the following. What is worth more, art or life? Is it worth more than food? Worth more than justice? So just imagine this. If you haven't seen the video, then try to imagine this. Two young kids not five years old, but not 25 years old, two young kids go into this museum or this gallery and they take soup and they dump it on what they think is the painting, which is luckily protected. And then they glue themselves 
to the wall and scream, is it worth more than food? The priceless work of art. Now, I have a slightly different take on this because I'm not a big fan of any kind of art. Like, I don't just look at art and think, oh, that's always beautiful. Because when a city spends like $50,000 on a piece of metal that they, you know, they use taxpayer dollars to pay some local artist 50, you know, 50 grand to put a piece of steel or something in the median. I don't know if that's really art, right? And, and I worked at a grocery store in Rochester, New York, and they paid this person to paint this mural on the side of the building. And the, the mural was actually nice. It, it was definitely a, an artistic expression, let's call it. But they only paid this person because they were like the first queer, non-binary, transgender artist who lives on this street in Rochester. That's literally why they hired the person and they bragged about it on social media. But at least at least they created something that was like, you know, I, I know art is extremely subjective. Um, I thought it was artistic. I don't think when cities spend a bunch of money on scrap metal that it's artistic, in, in my opinion. But that's really the thing about art, right? Uh, art is incredibly subjective. You know, you can hang a, a bloody tampon from the ceiling, and in some galleries, that's art. Oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. Or you can tape a banana to the wall, and people will pay tens of thousands of dollars to try to bid on it, to buy a rotted banana with some duct tape. Uh, it's just incredible art. I don't know if anybody's ever ever seen, I always bring up, my, my favorite TV show is Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And there's a great episode where they're, they're doing like an art collector episode. And Danny DeVito goes in as this art collector. And he's just shown how subjective, subjective art is. And um, he sees like an air conditioner in the middle of the floor. And he's like, oh my God, I have to have it. I have to, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And she's like, that's an air conditioner. He's like, brilliant. He's like, we're all just air conditioners. <laughs> well, I mean, art is incredibly subjective, right? So, I mean, personally, I'm not a fan of Van Gogh. Um, I've been to uh, the Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg. Uh, in fact, when I was there, they had a Van Gogh uh, art exhibit. It was mostly digital. But I, you know, I, I kind of like Dolly more than Van Gogh. But I'm not, I'm just not a big, I'm not a an artistic uh, culture kind of a guy. And I'm emphasizing this. I'm really emphasizing this because I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I'm not a big artistic culture guy. I'm not like, I'm not big into paintings and, and different kinds of art. But I recognize their beauty and their cultural value, even if I don't think they're beautiful and even if I wouldn't pay for them, which is, you know, the determining factor, you know, to decide if something is worth something or not. So I don't really like Van Gogh, but I'm not going to pour soup on it because I don't like it. And certainly not because I'm going to pour soup on it due to some misconceived ideas about climate and oil, which is why these people did this to the Van Gogh painting. They're with a group called Just Stop Oil, which is super ironic because the soup can that they used, a Heinz creamy tomato soup, the plastic wrapping on it with the paint and all that that says Heinz, it's red and black, different colors, is actually made out of polyethylene, which is plastic, which is it's most of the label is made with oil. Now, there's obviously some confusion here because the 
the vandals thought that the Van Gogh painting Sunflowers was painted with like oil that you would put in your car. And it wasn't. It takes two seconds to search that Van Gogh used plant-based oils. So he used oils derived from plants. More on that later. And they were using not only a, uh, a perfectly good can of soup. I mean, personally, I wouldn't eat Heinz creamy tomato soup. I think it's just filled with preservatives and it's not very good for you. But a perfectly good can of soup they could have given to a homeless person on the street. And they dumped it on what they thought was the painting, although there was a screen there, cover for it, because of people like this. And the plastic wrapping of the can is made with the oil that they're protesting. Nobody brings this up. Nobody on the right, nobody on the left brings this up. But this isn't the first time it's happened either. Leonardo da Vinci, you know, he painted that, what was that painting, the Mona Lisa, kind of a famous painting, right? He painted the the, the infamous Mona Lisa. And uh, in May of 2022, just a few months ago, a vandal attempted to smear cake all over the painting. Luckily, there was a cover on that painting as well. Someone also threw a cup at it. And it scratched the casing of it. That was like, I think that was last year or something. So imagine this, picture this. So in this case, you have a guy who dresses like a woman and he comes in a wheelchair pretending that he's handicapped to get access to the painting. Then he rips the wig off. This is what happened. He rips the wig off and then he gets up from the chair and he tries to smear the cake all over the Da Vinci painting. I want you to think about that for a second. So here's a mentally ill person who dresses like a woman who pretends to be handicapped to get access to a priceless work of art. I mean, I personally like Da Vinci better than Van Gogh. And then he wants to smear paint on it while he says the following, there are people who are destroying the earth. All artists think about the earth. I couldn't really uh, imagine anything more ironic than using an oil-based label, you know, can Heinz creamy soup, which is made with the oil that you don't like and throwing that on a painting. That's not even made with the oil. You don't like it's made with plant oils. And then another guy pretending to be handicapped, pretending to be a woman who tries to smear cake onto this painting, Mona Lisa. And he does it while saying people are destroying the earth while he's trying to destroy human culture. And he says, think about the earth and the irony Additionally to that is Van Gogh's painting, Sunflowers, was about the earth. You see the ludicrousness and the irony here? But that's not the second time that's happened. This is like a long list of times this has happened. In June of 2022, activists or vandals glued themselves to Vincent Van Gogh's Peach Trees in Blossom, another obviously anti-earth piece at the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery and Museum in Glasgow. Others glued themselves to Horatio McCulloch's My Hearts in the Highlands. So they're gluing themselves to these paintings or near these paintings or to the frames. Now, the former vandals, the ones that glued themselves to Van Gogh's Peach Trees in Blossom, are with Just Stop Oil, much like the ones that tried to destroy the Van Gogh Sunflower painting. 
And here's what they said, quote, I'm an artist. I love art. But instead of spending my time making art, we should be spending time taking actions like this, spending time in and out of cells. So I'm an artist. This guy is an artist, uh, reportedly. I'm an artist. I love art. But I'm going to spend my time going to jail for destroying art. Try to figure that one out. I don't know. Uh, in other words, he's an artist. He's going to destroy art and spend time in jail rather than making his own art. He's going to destroy the beauty that the other, other people have created, even if you don't like the art. Beauty that other people have created because he can't create his own beauty. I mean, this, listen, I just, I don't read a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, I, I don't want to call them mainstream books because they're not mainstream, but I like, I've read all David Icke stuff. And uh, I've been I've been looking at more esoteric and occult books recently, and I, I found a copy of David Icke's Perceptions of a Renegade Mind. And I, there's a little refresher course in the back about the archons, uh, the Gnostic uh, demons and devils, and the uh, 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 and um, spelled with a Y, but Ieldaboth, uh, Yahweh, and the connections there. And you know, David Icke is very he he always emphasizes he's very uh, he's very much an advocate for uh, describing the similarities between these characters uh, in the Gnostic tradition and what we call aliens or things like that today. And, you know, it's, he always talks about counter mimicry. They can't create, so they just take things of beauty and destroy them. And that's what this artist is doing. He's not going to make his own art, even though he's, I read he's an art school or something like that uh, in Glasgow. He's going to destroy other art because he can't create his own art. So he's going to destroy other priceless artifacts, other priceless pieces of art. And then you had uh, at an art gallery, London's Royal Academy of Arts saw the same protesters from Just Stop Oil spray paint no new oil. That's what they spray painted underneath a painting of what was called copy of Leonardo's The Last Supper. So again, just like with the Vandals for the Heinz tomato soup and the sunflower painting, apparently they have their oils confused. Why? Well, because according to, uh, well, anybody who has common sense, but I went to find official sources, so I had something to read from. According to the Heritage Science Journal, Van Gogh's oil came from plants. Chemical analysis of the binding media of Van Gogh's paints identified poppy seed oil in zinc white and lead white paints and linseed oil in cochineal and geranium lake paints after some paraffin wax added to the latter as well. And according to the can of spray paint that these morons use to protest oil, and according to common sense and according to science and chemistry, etc., spray paint is largely made with petroleum. Even the little soup label of the Heinz soup. It's made with, according to consolidatedlabel.com, quote, paper, vinyl, polyester, polyethylene, and other types of specialty films. And for those of you who don't know about polyethylene, polyethylene is derived from the same oil and is, according to Science Direct, the most widely used plastic in the world. Does it make sense yet? Is it confusing? Are these people confused? Clearly, they're very confused. These acts of vandalism are called peaceful civil 
resistance. But they're not peaceful civil resistance. Peaceful civil resistance is when you conduct a sit-in, right? Um, it's not when you try to destroy human culture. Like, personally, I don't think a piece of metal put up downtown in a, in a city constitutes art. It's just literally a piece of metal. Some people see it as art. But, like, whether you... I don't like Van Gogh myself. I'm not really a big Dolly fan. I like Da Vinci. But the, the, all of this is priceless history, even if you don't like it. It's priceless history. I mean, I, more than anything in the world, I think I despise communism more than anything else. And yet, if we were thousands of years in the future and communism had finally been defeated as this corrupting ideology and you found some hammer and sickle pins, I would not want to destroy them. I would want to reserve them, maintain them, preserve them, put them in a museum and let people know under these symbols, the most horrific acts in human history have been committed in the name of peace and justice and equality. I would want to preserve those things that I hate so we can learn from them, not destroy them in the name of whatever these people are protesting. They don't like oil. Okay. So in July of 2022, activists or vandals from another group called Ultima Generation or last generation, they also glued themselves to the Sandro Botticelli Primavera in the Uffizi Gallery. And they unveiled this slogan, last generation, no gas, no coal. I think the irony there is, if you don't have any gas or any coal, and you don't have adequate replacements for gas and for coal, then you're not going to have any food, You're not going to have any of the classical, typical, traditional products that you know from the time you were a kid. Most of these people are kids. You're not going to have all the luxuries that you have now. And, well, the irony is you probably won't have another generation. So this probably will be the last generation, which is what this is all about. It's what it's all about. It's about ending the human race. Oh, and then also, which is really, really funny... The glue that they're all using is also petroleum-based. You cannot make this stuff up. This is like a sketch or something. So they're using soup cans with labels that are made with plastic and oil. But the paintings they're protesting are made with plants. And they're, they're of plants. Sunflowers is of plants. The peach trees of plants. The spray paint they're using is made of oil. The oil that they don't like. And the glue they're using to glue themselves to the walls or to the painting frames, well, most adhesives, not all, to be fair, but most adhesives are petroleum-based adhesives. Crackerjack job. So if you eliminate gas, coal, oil, and all these other things, these energetically dense and cheaper fuels, a lot of them very clean because we've, we've developed new ways to... Uh, to, uh, to burn them or to utilize them, made them more efficient, etc. But if we get rid of these things, there aren't going to be any, any protests or any utopian societies. There's not going to be any food. There won't be a next generation. Uh, it's like pouring out a perfectly good can of soup to protest against oil, which wasn't even used in the painting you're protesting, but it was used in the manufacturing of that can of soup. So now you're just wasting resources on top of it, which is exactly what the collectivization in, well, 
Stalin's Ukraine or in Mao's China was all about wasting resources and vertically integrating wealth into the hands of the already wealthy. You think communism is a good thing? And communists always say capitalism is so, uh, it's so exploitative of, of, of the human condition. It's like, actually, if you think capitalism's bad, wait until you learn about the exploitation of the working class by the communist upper class. That's real exploitation. Plus, it's capitalism's just, it's just a name. It's different than, you know, Austrian economics, a little bit different. And it's not the same as crony capitalism, but that's, that's neither here nor there. So a Just Stop Oil protester, one of these Just Stop Oil protesters, also decided they didn't get the memo about the spray paint uh, using oil, petroleum. They decided to spray paint a sign outside of the New Scotland Yard in London with massive amounts of aerosol, massive amounts of dye, massive amounts of petroleum. I mean, think about how incompetent, how ignorant, how stupid, and how borderline retarded these people are. But I have to walk that statement back because the problem here is most of these people are younger. They're, they're really young. Like, they don't know any better. They have no clue. I mean, most adults, to be fair, probably don't even recognize that glue, spray paint, labels on soup cans, they're all made with petroleum. I mean, everything virtually that we have is made with, with, with some kind of, uh, you know, oil. I mean, a large percentage of the electric vehicles are made with oil. What do you think your tires are made out of? They're made out of oil. And when you don't have the same hauling capacity, you don't have the same you know, ability to drive a certain distance, you're using more of your tire. You're going to end up using more rubber, more oil in the long run, among other things. So what this is really all about, and there's more after we come back from break here in a moment, more of these incidences. What this is about is what, it's what the Stanford Research Institute said. The changing images of man use the youth in political processes. Exploit the youth rebellion against societal wrongs. They think climate change, gas, coal, these are these are things that we need to change because they're societal wrongs. What they don't understand is it's because of these things, and we'll eventually transition naturally anyway. We went from whale oil to what we have today in less than a hundred years. So we'll naturally transition, but they want to get rid of it now, which means society collapses, infrastructure collapses, food sources collapse. There will be no next generation. Everything will die if you get rid of all of this energy. Zero emissions, that's a death sentence. There's a much more balanced way to approach this. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. It's a war hall-like footing against nature and culture in the name of preserving the planet. It's right here on The Secret Teachings. There's more after this coming up. Stay with us. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. 
food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up to the fall up back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi everyone, this is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. We are on a war-like footing with the climate, or at least King Charles, at the time when he said it, Prince Charles wants us to think that. Prince Charles said at the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow, Scotland, climate change and biodiversity loss are no different. In fact, they pose an even greater existential threat to the extent we have to put ourselves on what might be called a war-like footing. A warlike footing. And it's fitting for tonight that we called the show a Warhol-like footing, considering that a couple of young, useful idiots, using the terminology of Joseph Stalin, young kids that I truly feel sorry for, have been so brainwashed, so terrified, so corrupted, so psychologically abused, that they are taking glue, soup, paint, and anything else they can get their hands on, and attempting to vandalize works of art, glue themselves to works of art, destroy signs, rip down statues, and the list goes on and on and on. These are the useful idiots of Joseph Stalin. These are the Red Guards of Mao. This is the youth involvement in political processes and the youth rebellion against societal wrongs, ways in which the social structure can be restructured, reset, etc., in the name of making a more 
equal and equitable world, according to the Stanford Research Institute, the changing images of man. See, nowadays, acts of vandalism against statues, books, culture, art, it's seen as a necessary response to governments failing to act upon the demands of, in some cases, what they mostly are, largely terrorist groups demanding governments force the population into doing what they demand them to do, which is, it's by definition, an act of terrorism. So we had a couple of young protesters or vandals throw Heinz creamy soup on a painting called Sunflowers by Vincent Van Gogh. Didn't harm the painting because there was a protective cover. Then they glued themselves to the wall. Perhaps the irony uh, in all of this, the biggest irony is, that the painting was made with plant-based oils, and this group from Just Stop Oil, they don't like petroleum. They apparently don't realize the difference between that kind of oil and the oil made in these, you know, um, in these older days that they used, and they still use them today, but these, these paintings used by Van Gogh, these oils used by Van Gogh to make sunflowers, which is also about, you know, nature. And so they're destroying a painting about nature made literally with plant oil. And they're using a can of soup, which has a plastic label on it, which is made of oil. You can't make it up. Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa was also luckily protected when a man pretending to be a woman and pretending to be handicapped in a wheelchair tried to smear food on it after he tried to break the case open. He tried to smear food, cake all over it. And he said there are people who are destroying the earth while he proceeds to try to destroy priceless artifacts in human history and culture. He says, think about the earth. Another irony, because Van Gogh's thinking about the earth. He's painting sunflowers. In fact, some other activists glued themselves to Vincent Van Gogh's peach trees in blossom back in June. More of that anti-earth stuff that these guys were painting. Peach trees in blossom, sunflowers. It sounds like they are thinking about the earth, but these vandals don't apparently understand that. Other vandals glued themselves to the Horatio McCulloch's My Hearts in the Highlands. One of the people that glued themselves to Van Gogh's peach trees said, I'm an artist, I love art, but I'd rather spend time in jail doing stuff like this than creating art. So he's basically an archon. He's unable to create his own art, so he decides to destroy priceless works of art. I mean, think about a sports analogy. You know, somebody can't, uh, somebody can't, you know, beat your basketball team or your football team, so they hire some guys to just break the legs of the other players. That's basically what they're doing. Also at London's Royal Academy of Arts, same group of protesters, Just Stop Oil. We're going to get into who they are here in a moment. They spray-painted no new oil underneath of a painting of a copy of Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper, a big painting. And uh, I guess nobody told them that spray paint is made with, well, the oil that they don't like, and that the glue is made with the spray paint they don't like. Van Gogh's oil, according to the Heritage Science Journal, came from things like poppy seed oil and zinc, linseed oil. According to the can of Campbell's or Heinz or any other soup, and according to Common Sense and Science, you find that these cans are made uh, 
not the metal, but the labeling, is made with vinyl, polyester, and polyethylene, which is derived from the same oil and is, according to Science Direct, the most widely used plastic in the world. Also, according to the can, Common Sense and Science, spray paint is made with petroleum. So these acts of vandalism, they're glorified in large part by the media as peaceful civil resistance. It's a mostly peaceful protest. In July of 2022, vandals from last generation, another ironic name, they used oil-based glue to glue themselves to Sandro Botticelli's Primavera in the Uffizi Gallery. And they unveiled a sign, last generation, no gas, no coal. Of course, eliminating gas and coal and oil and other things that are energetically dense and cheap and typically are more efficient than they have been in the last 50 years. If you get rid of these things, there won't be any food. I mean, plastic products have allowed us to extend the shelf life of food and not just like ultra, super duper, highly processed things, but it's allowed, you know, companies, small companies to distribute their products wider to a larger, uh, you know, uh, 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 customer base. You, know, you don't get the bottom of the barrel anymore. That's when you would go down to the bottom of the cracker barrel. And there'd be, you know, bugs and things like that. And you get the crackers down at the bottom. That's where the idea comes from, bottom of the barrel. And I mean, these people are really reaching to the bottom of the barrel of society because not all young people are like this. So they rip apart families and they take children and exploit them and their natural rebellion against authority to do, well, exactly what the Stanford Research Institute said, involve them in political processes and get them to rebel against societal wrongs or things they think are societal wrongs. And then it's different if like some crazy guy who looked like he was on meth or something was like taking an axe to the Mona Lisa, you'd get security would just beat this guy into oblivion. But if it's kids, you can't do that which is even sicker and more ironic. It means the people financing and funding this are literally trafficking children into these groups, brainwashing them and using them as human shields to advance their political agenda. It's just totally obscene. So just stop oil. What is this group? We're going to get into more of it in a second. Just stop oil has also sponsored protests. Well, the new Scotland yard in London Their sign has been vandalized by some moron using aerosol, dye, and petroleum-based paint to spray paint the sign in the surrounding area. But vandals didn't stop there. So-called vegan activists from Animal Rebellion, like Extinction Rebellion, Animal Rebellion, called for a plant-based future by dumping out milk and literally vandalizing meat and cheese counters at a Harrods in West London, Fortune and Mason in Piccadilly, Waitrose in Edinburgh, along with the Whole Foods and M&S shops. Now, most of you know that I'm a vegan, kind of. But I don't call myself a vegan because of people like this. I eat plant-based foods because I've, re- I've read uh, Dean Ornish's study in the late 90s. I've read uh, all of the, the major nutritional studies about plant-based diets. It's not that you can't eat meat. It's just that if you're only eating meat, only eating processed foods, this is what contributes to heart attacks strokes, diabetes, Alzheimer's, etc. Because we don't really have to deal with other types of diseases because we have running water that's clean, generally speaking. We have cleaner food. We have plastic that helps to keep the food fresher for longer. We have waste management. We don't just, you know, poop outside the house or poop in the house and dump it outside the door. We have a lot of things in the developed world which makes, you know, the developed world cleaner and healthier and safer. That's why we don't have smallpox and 
polio, which is where you're going to find that in dirty, disgusting, impoverished places in India, which is one of the leading sources of polio and smallpox as well. I, I don't think it's caused by a virus. I think it's caused by chemicals, environmental conditions. That's neither here nor there. I'm just telling you, I am technically, I guess, a vegan, but I don't do it for climate change. I do it because it's it's made me healthier and I feel better. So when vegans do things like this, what do you think it makes the average person do? They're like, well, screw you. I'm going to go have a steak. It's the same thing when you have people who have investments in arms companies and then they tell you that they're going to take your guns away so you go out and buy guns from the companies they have investments in. You know, again, it's my favorite TV show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Danny DeVito is running a he's running a gun scam and then a water filter scam. He's like, You're, this is America. I can do whatever I want. You're either the dupers or the dupees. You know, I'm a duper. I dupe people. And that's what that's what they do. They terrify you. They scare you. And they make a fortune. I think what did Danny DeVito say in that show? He said, that's what Al Gore did with his climate change stuff. He got everybody scared. And then the guy made a fortune. Absolutely. That's exactly what happened. It's a comedy TV show, but it's it's 100% accurate, that statement. So vandals went even further in April of this year. I'm just going back through the history of the 2022. According to The Guardian, Just Stop Oil activists were being held after 43 arrests were made for blockading and smashing petrol pumps or petrol pumps at service stations at London's M25 Orbital Motorway. 400 people arrested, more than 1,000 times taking part in the campaign since it began less than a month ago, according to the organizers. So about 400 people have been arrested, more than 1,000 times taking part in the campaign. According to a children's mental health nurse, this woman's a psychopath, her name's Kat, who's been participating in Extinction Rebellion by blocking off roads in London as well. She said the burning of fossil fuels is killing people right now. You know, it's truly stunning what these people believe. Think about it. Shutting off fossil fuels and attempting to reach zero carbon emissions means a death sentence for the entire planet. All the trees that are blossoming and becoming greener. And not just you and civilization. It, it, it means everything. It means that that group called last generation, no gas, no oil, no coal, none of this stuff. It, they're right. There is going to be no generation after this, except what they want to do to save the next generation is actually destroying the next generation. There will be no food if there's no gas and there will be no food if there is no oil and no coal and there aren't adequate replacements for them. And if there is, you're going to either grow the food yourself or it's going to be so overpriced you can't afford it. And it's really likely if you're having to grow it yourself because we get rid of all these things, you're not going to have anywhere to grow it anyway. Everything collapses. So Just Stop Oil is not okay with oil, obviously. It's in their name. But they are okay with money. And they are okay with hypocrisy. They're okay using soup cans with labels made of plastic and oil, spray paint made of oil, glue made of oil. But they don't like paintings that are priceless works of cultural, historical art and human expression that are made with plant-based oils. Just Stop Oil likes money, though. Most of their funding comes from the Climate Emergency Fund set up by Aileen Getty, the granddaughter of the Getty Oil Foundation or group or business. And she decided to take that business and, well, create her own foundation. 
She's the founding donor of the Climate Emergency Fund, an L.A.-based organization that finances high-profile climate protest groups around the world. Getty, who is a prolific environmental philanthropist, what the hell does that mean, an environmental philanthropist? Your grandfather was an oil tycoon. You've got all this oil money. I don't see her giving the oil money away. Is she giving the oil money away to homeless people and she's going to live in her van or something down by the water? No, she keeps the fortune and she uses that fortune to fund what they call civil disobedience. But what what it really is, is destroying artifacts, culture, history, human expression, creativity, beauty, love, joy, etc. So she wired $500,000. That's a lot of money. Could have gone to helping people to the Climate Emergency Fund right when it was founded in 2019. That's what happens. They have these like front people found the organization and then here comes the big donor. They just founded this organization. This woman donates half a million dollars. Well, I'm going to announce I'm I'm announcing my own. I'm going to create something called the Ultra Climate Emergency Fund. And I'm hoping that Aileen Getty will give me half a million dollars. The same group that funds no more oil, just stop oil. The Climate Emergency Fund, set up by an oil tycoon's granddaughter, also funds Last Generation, the one that said there's not going to be another generation if we don't stop oil and coal and gas, which will actually eliminate the next generation. They also fund Insolent Britain. According to their website, quote, they have created a proven method for scaling up disruptive protest. Oh, they're Bolsheviks. That makes more sense now. Actually, it sounds more like anarchist than it does civil disobedience, doesn't it? They sound like Bolsheviks. And they do it according to their website with, quote, an international network of activists, which always makes me wonder. When I was in high school, I played basketball, and it was always hard to get like four or five other guys together to play. You know, you want to play three on three or, you know, lucky if you get a five on five game going. And I never could get anybody. Everybody had to go home. They had to go, you know, to a, another you know, band class like or like a, a band thing after school. Um, everybody always had something to do. They got to go to a birthday party, got to go home, have dinner. Nobody ever could get together and play. You know, it's hard enough to get people together. Even when you have a rec league, people don't even show up. How are they getting these kids to show up to these protests consistently as part of an international network? Sure, social media, but where are the parents? They either have to be involved in this, just like Greta Thunberg's parents are in TIFA. They're literal communist fascists. Anti-fascist action is where the word and the name and the idea came from. 1930s, early Germany, before Hitler ever came to power. They were the death throes of the Weimar communist years in Berlin, which started transvestites and drag queens as a cultural thing, which went from Berlin being considered the LGBT capital of the world to now Tel Aviv is the LGBT capital of the world. Makes a lot more sense when you consider that Hitler actually, through the Havara Agreement and the Balfour Declaration of Great Britain, they created the modern state of Israel as a modern concentration camp. And then Zionists, who hate Jews, use the Jewish identity to advance their smut and their perversity. And then they call it anti-Semitic, when you call that out. No, it's anti-Semitic to use Jews as a political shield. It's anti-human and it's child abuse and child trafficking to traffic these kids into international networks of activist activity by brainwashing them and abusing them 
to believe the earth is going to end and they have to destroy culture in order to save it, which is exactly what the communist Red Guard Gestapo puke-faced lying thugs did in communist China. They destroyed anything that was artistic, anything that was beautiful. People were, were forced to wear just literal gray, blue clothing like peasants. They were worse than peasants. The conditions in China were arguably worse than anything you saw in regard to Western slave trade, Middle Eastern slave trade, or even peasants and, and, and indentured servants in large parts of Europe. They literally worked as slaves for the Politburo and the party. No beauty, no expression, nothing. That's what these kids are being roped into. Now, the New York Times reported three wealthy donors formed the Climate Emergency Fund. One of them, as we already know, Aileen Getty. The other one is Trevor Nielsen. He's one of the founders. Uh, And he's given money, of course, to the Sierra Club and the NRDC, Natural Resources Defense Council. Uh, there's others uh, that have given a bunch of money to these groups. It's, it's kind of interesting. The Guardian reported that uh, this uh, CEF, Climate Emergency Fund, which is based in California, in a super wealthy, area, a super wealthy area. There's even they even have an address you can pull up, and I, I did pull it up here. It's eight three eight three Wilshire Boulevard. STE number 400, Beverly Hills, literally this anti-capitalist, get rid of the wealth and families and destroy culture and art. They're literally based in Beverly Hills, California. You cannot make this stuff up. According to CauseIQ.com and the ClimateEmergencyFund.org, their phone number, if you want to call them, 310-271-0300. That's not doxing. That's on their website. So they have, according to The Guardian, uh, they've made grants uh, worth over $1.6, $1.7 dollars to activists in 25 countries, the UK, the US, Australia, Canada, France, Germany, and Switzerland. Particularly, they focused on the UK, giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to just stop oil and extinction rebellion. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Extinction Rebellion received almost a quarter million just this year. So I don't know, maybe some of that food or some of the soup they dump out or some of the milk they dump out or some of the meat and the cheese they destroy. Maybe you could like I would understand that these vegan activists were like, okay, we don't like the meat, the cheese and the milk and all this stuff. So why don't we just steal it? Because you can steal anything today, apparently. And left-leaning communist prosecutors won't prosecute you, so just steal it and give it to homeless people so they have something to eat. Steal a nice piece of uh, brie or something, some Swiss, I don't know, Swiss cheese, I don't know, whatever the fancy cheese, Swiss isn't, you know, fancy, but steal some fancy cheese, some low-end cheese, go with some brie, go with some mozzarella, and give it to the homeless people outside, rather than, they destroy it. Maybe some of the millions of dollars could go to helping people get access to food. You psychopaths, they're literally based in Beverly Hills, California. Have you seen the homelessness issue in L.A.? Take that multi-million dollar budget that comes from God knows where, literal granddaughters of oil tycoons to fight against oil. It's all counterproductive counterculture. And give it to the people that actually need it. And I remember when I was putting tonight's show together, there was a CNN article 
And the CNN article, I think it was like 2000. I don't remember the exact year of it. I'd have to look it up again. I should look that up just to give you the reference point. CNN Money, April 18th, 2017. That's the article. And the article says Big Oil is very, very interested in staying in the Climate Paris Agreement. The article says this. Specifically, ExxonMobil, Chevron, Royal Dutch Shell, and BP are all in favor of America staying in the Paris COP21 pact. BP spokesperson told CNN Money, it welcomed the Paris Agreement when it was signed, and we continue to support it. We believe it's possible to provide the energy the world needs, while also addressing the climate challenges, according to BP. Uh, Chevron said it supports continuing with the Paris deal because it offers a first step towards a global framework. Exxon says, yeah, it's an effective framework for addressing the risks of climate change. Shell says they're strongly in favor of the Paris deal. And these oil companies were reportedly angry at President Trump for pulling the U.S. out of the deal. So, I mean, is this just confused, meant to be confusing? Is it meant to just be like raw propaganda? Like you can't tell what's going on? There's a lot of that. Like why would oil companies be in support of things that are supposed to get rid of the oil companies? Why would... An oil tycoon's granddaughter not give her money away to charity, but instead use it to create this, no pun intended, this shell corporation, this shell fund, climate energy fund, to support vandals in other countries. She gave half a million dollars to start the CEF. Why isn't she giving her money to homeless people? Why is the CEF based in Beverly Hills, California at 8383 Wilshire Boulevard? in a suite in Beverly Hills, California, take the money, give it to homeless people. If you want to help people, they don't want people to have money though. That's the thing. They don't want people to have food. Take the soup that you're dumping out and give it to homeless people, the milk, the cheese, the meat, be Robin hood, steal things and give it to the poor, but they don't do that. It's just like with all the BLM black lives matter protests. What did, what did they do? Well, what did you see people doing? Remember the videos you saw people stealing Gucci and Louis Vuitton. You saw people stealing things from like a from like a ludicrous video. And then what did the supporters for those groups say? They're just trying to feed their families. Well, I don't know about you, but if I was trying to feed my family and I had to rob somebody, I'd probably rob a grocery store. I don't even know where I could buy a Louis Vuitton bag. These people knew exactly where they were and they went right to them and they got them. If you're stealing Louis Vuitton, You're not trying to buy food. Oh, they're going to sell the bag. No, they're not going to sell the bag. And if that's the case, you can steal things that are more expensive than Louis Vuitton. They want the the Louis Vuitton bags. They want the Gucci. They want the Prada. They want the Rolls, the Rolex. Next, it'll just be stealing cars. We'll know the cars are stolen. The police won't do anything. This is exactly what happened in China in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Until it was scaled back and turned into a technocracy rather than a communist uh, dystopia. Granddaughter of an oil tycoon is financing Just Stop Oil. Big Oil, Exxon, BP, Shell, Chevron. They're all huge supporters, huge supporters of the COP21 climate agreement. These climate activists apparently can't grasp the fact that Vincent Van Gogh painted sunflowers and peach trees and they are using Heinz soup to try to destroy those things, or they're using glue to glue themselves to them, or they're using spray paint to deface signs, to deface property, to stop oil when 
Van Gogh's paintings, like most paintings, used plant-based oils when spray paint and glue and the labels on soup cans all use the oil that you don't like. Polyethylene on the soup cans. The petroleum that you don't like in the spray paint, along with aerosol and dye. That's not good for the environment. And petroleum as the base for most of those clues. And this is what Prince Charles or King Charles said. We need a warlike footing. And tonight, it is the war hall-like footing here on The Secret Teachings. We have Frank from Quite Frankly coming up after this. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Please subscribe to our archive. Please buy one of my books. We do not have any financiers. We do not have hundreds of thousands of dollars coming from uh, granddaughters of oil tycoons. We are supported because of listeners like you. You subscribe for 50 bucks for a whole year. Nobody, I don't think, has any idea how far that money goes to support this show. Or if you buy a book, buy a couple books, holiday, holiday season is coming up. I have a huge section in Occult Arcana about Halloween. I think you'd really enjoy that. www.thesecretteachings.info. If you can't support us that way, share the show, leave us a review on the podcast radio players, and stay with us. Frank is coming up next, and quite frankly, you don't want to miss it. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. 
Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call up to the follow back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. tuned into the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable for some reason a lot of young people think that it's perfectly acceptable and politically expedient to vandalize classical works of art i'm sure some of you have seen this if you missed the first hour tonight a number of paintings over the last couple of months have at least people have tried to vandalize them uh, luckily there's been protective casings over those paintings uh, the mona lisa for one somebody tried to crack the case open and smear some type of food substance cake all over the mona lisa we've had uh, climate or environmental activists I, I just call them vandals attempting to uh, glue themselves uh, partially successfully but unsuccessfully in the end to paintings like peach trees and blossom which is a painting by vincent van gogh Horatio McCulloch's My Hearts in the Highlands. We've also had protesters, vandals, etc. use spray paint to spray paint things such as no new oil. Somebody should let them know that most spray paints are petroleum-based and are actually made with the kind of oil they don't like. Meanwhile, the paintings are typically made and mostly... Uh, mostly with plant-based oils. In fact, uh, Van Gogh's paintings are made with uh, oils that come directly from plants, not from the same types of petroleum. So somebody needs to let these, these young kids know that. Uh, also, the, uh, the Campbell's soup, or rather the Heinz soup. I'm thinking Campbell's. I'm thinking art. I'm thinking Andy Warhol. Tonight's show is called A Warhol-like Footing, which is a reference, of course, to uh, Prince Charles or King Charles's statement where he said that we need a warlike footing to deal with climate change. Uh, the Heinz soup vandals that threw some tomato soup. Good thing it wasn't chunky. They threw some creamy tomato soup on a, another Van Gogh painting just a few days ago uh, called Sunflowers. And uh, luckily there was a protective coating on that painting as well. And uh, I guess somebody should tell these young kids once again that the container itself, yes, it's usually, usually these cans are made of steel, but the cover of the can, you know, where it says Heinz and where it says creamy tomato soup, that's made with uh, plastic. Uh, that's made with uh, the kind of oil that they don't like. Plus, they're wasting a lot of food, which is also part of uh, the argument from some of these climate groups like Last Generation. Uh, most of them have been a group that is referred to as Just Stop Oil, uh, but they're receiving the same funding from another group called uh, there's the Climate Emergency Fund, uh, and they're, they're funding all these other groups. There's like Animal Rebellion, which is like Extinction Rebellion. There's Just Stop Oil. 
I've got a whole bunch of articles here. There's Last Generation. Last Generation says no gas, no coal. And the irony is if you don't have gas and you don't have coal today, well, you're not going to have food anyway. So on top of that, then you've got, well, what they call themselves is vegan activists. Um, I'm, I guess, technically a vegan, but I don't, I don't agree with what these people are doing. Um, I'm a vegan for, for uh, nutritional health reasons, not because of political reasons. And uh, you see these vegan activists, as they're called, uh, they're, they're, they're calling for a plant-based future. And they've went into stores. They went into Whole Foods, Harrods, uh, Fortnum, uh, some of these stores. I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce exactly. Piccadilly, uh, Waitrose, uh, M&S shops. They've vandalized meat counters, cheese counters. And they were pouring, uh, I'm not a big fan of milk myself, but they were pouring out perfectly good milk. And, and they're saying that because of uh, because of farmers and climate change and all these other things like this, we need to uh, we need to vandalize classical works of art and we need to pour out perfectly good food in the name of making sure we have enough food and, and, and making sure that the future is going to be beautiful. And one of these activists, um, this guy that went into the Louvre and tried to vandalize the Mona Lisa, he had a he had a wig on, was pretending to be handicapped. And he got up and he tried to break the glass and smear this cake on the Mona Lisa. And then he says, there are people who are destroying the earth. All artists think about the earth. Super ironically, Peach Trees and Blossom and Sunflowers, two paintings by Van Gogh, as far as I understand it, by looking at it, they they look like they are about nature and earth. So I guess they don't really see the irony in that or the irony in spray paint being made with petroleum or the irony in the soup cans being partly made with things like, I believe it's polyethylene, one of the most common plastics in the world. And that, of course, is derived from the very oil that they don't like. Meanwhile, the paintings are, most of them are painted with plant-based oils. I, I don't know if it's ironic. I don't know if it's funny. I don't know what I should think about it. But I, I do have somebody who is uh, going to join me on the show tonight who might have an opinion that is, Similar to mine, different than mine. We're going to have a conversation about it. Frank, from Quite Frankly, he is host of a nightly talk show for current events, hidden history, the human condition, and the great beyond. I was on Quite Frankly recently, and Frank is joining us now on the line to talk about the Warhol-like footing. Frank, welcome to The Secret Teachings, my friend. Oh, Ryan, thank you for having me on, my friend. And, and uh, I still get a lot of people commenting about your appearance. They can't wait for you to come back. Well, I'm, I'm happy to come back. That sounds exciting. I, I did get a lot of good response out of that show we did. Oh, it's terrific. And I don't know what it is. I, I'm, I've been waiting around, but I still have not gotten your book yet. I cannot wait to read it. Um, I want to I want to have your entire anthology on my on my uh, added to my collection over here. But wonderful, wonderful topics of conversation, because as you said, are we talking about irony? Is it? Is it comedic in any way? Would it be funny if it wasn't so tragic? Because they used this front line. They used to be the front line, the left. They used to be the front line for defending art at all costs. They def- Not only defending art and freedom of expression, but bodily autonomy as well. Now, for them, that used to be an extreme across the board. They were always pro-choice in the abortion uh, aspect of things, but they would also... Uh, if you just even go back to the 1990s, would have been, uh, 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 I mean, I would say, aghast 
at the way that government has put itself in between a person and their doctors or has put the arm twisting action on doctors to make sure that people are not able to avoid one substance or another being injected into them, especially as means of a gateway to enjoying whatever used to be considered normal life. So when you think about what has been done to people to have this programming. That's what uh, it is. It's programming. It's insane. I mean, they're they're programmed to destroy the culture they once pretended to revere. And perhaps they actually did. They did uh, cherish it, but they, 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 uh, they appreciate culture and life and art as much as ISIS does at this point. And, uh, and that's just it. Who is teaching them? Who is teaching them? Well, so I looked into this group. So this, this group gets funding the just uh, say no to oil. And there's some other ones like animal rebellion, et cetera. They get a lot of their funding from uh, big climate funds. So they're basically, uh, they're grant programs and they give these groups thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars like last generation, uh, inst- uh, what's it called? Insolent Britain and some others. Uh, they've, they've, they've got this money from the climate emergency fund. And this group was set up by someone named Aileen Getty and Aileen Getty is the granddaughter of the Getty oil found uh, a group or Getty oil company. Uh, and they've got, they've got this big foundation. So basically you've got the daughter of an oil tycoon funding these anti-oil groups, which might sound really strange. And how does that make sense? Maybe his daughter uh, uh, decided, or his granddaughter rather, decided to uh, you know, be opposed to oil. But we actually find that there's, there's, a, there's an interesting connection between anti-oil groups and oil companies, uh, including the COP, you know, the COP Paris Agreement. Uh, big oil is one of the biggest supporters of the these climate agreements, and the question is, why is that? What, what, why do you think that is? Why, why are these groups being funded by the granddaughter of an oil tycoon? And why is it? Because you read some of the research I did tonight. Why is it that these uh, COP climate agreements, whether it's the the Paris or others, uh, why are they being supported by the big oil companies? It just doesn't make much sense. Well. I guess I would answer that question with a uh, very relevant question, and it would be why are the big Walmart chains, the, the gigantic shopping, uh, shopping franchises that we know of that have completely killed the mom-and-pop store and the coziness of small towns across the country, why are they some of the biggest proponents of, middle, uh, of, uh, of uh, minimum wage increases? When you know That's that— a great question. Yeah, I mean, why, why is it? it? And it's it's simple. It's really simple stuff. Obviously, there's an ideological edge to all of this, but there's also more practical reasons. When interests converge, you're you know exactly what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And aside from the fact that they have all of the um, they have all of their their sights set on destruction of domestic sovereignty, national identity, uh, in in lieu of creating a, a, a gigantic globalist stew, they also know that along the way, it's good for business to have all of your competition absolutely destroyed by regulations that for you, who controls hundreds of billions of dollars and sometimes trillions, depending on who your parent company is, for a small local vacuum shop, who, uh, who is, you know, just struggling to get by and save a little bit and keep the, the, the lights and the stores open and keep some good employment, 
they are going to be put out of business by a even 50 cent raise in, um, in hourly wages. And then of course, healthcare requirements for everybody that's working there. You know, McDonald's, Walmart, they can shoulder those types of, of changes. Um, all of their small to middle size business competition that may have better customer service, better ideas, better proprietary technology. They've got to shutter their doors. They got to sell their ideas to the people who have the big pockets and, and that's what you have it now. So I, I would, I would extrapolate that model to so many other places um, in, in asking similar questions like that. You have ideological reasons. Obviously there is a, uh, an agenda 2030 consolidated globe end game, but from practical business reasons, uh, you know, the, the people who have the money understand what regulation and business can do to their competition, whereas they can shoulder the cost quite easily. Now that's a perfect explanation. And I think that when the argument shifts on social media and in the mainstream media to these big businesses suddenly got really greedy and that's why prices have gone up. It shows number one, economic illiteracy. Number two, it shows ignorance because what all these businesses just got greedy at the same time. Uh, it shows that people have a complete lack of, of, of understanding of the, apparently the last two to three years where we've had these big businesses that have been allowed to stay open and you've had smaller shops like you're talking about coerced and threatened and fined into shutting down, closing their doors forever, businesses that people worked for maybe uh, generations to build up and Walmart and big, biz, big box stores could stay open. And those are the stores that made record profits. And so this goes back to the first statement you made people that traditionally have been on the left have been opposed to big business. They've been opposed to big corporations, opposed to big banks. But now it's the big banks and the big corporations that are financing, in some cases, and funding, uh, at least energetically and ideologically, the groups that are destroying priceless pieces of art, or at least they're trying to. They're pouring out milk and pouring out food. They're trying to destroy uh, the infrastructure. They're trying to destroy the culture. And this is not historically without precedent. This is verbatim, precisely 100% what happened during the communist revolution in China that was decades in the making from the late 40s. In the 1960s, the cultural revolution really kicked off, and that's when Mao had his young red guards, they were mostly college students and younger, go around and they ripped down statues, they tore down signs, they vandalized things, they came to people's homes and stole things, and very much like what's happening today, they went around and destroyed anything that was a, an expression of traditional Chinese culture. They destroyed art. They destroyed anything that was beautiful. And we're seeing the exact same thing happen today. Call it communism, call it fascism, call it globalism, but it's the same ideology and it's using the youth who tend to be more rebellious to give them something to rebel against the current status quo. So once they rebel against the current status quo and tear the whole system down, then guess what we can do? Build it back better and we can reset the whole thing. That's what it's all about. You said, you said it very well. And I love the invocation of, of that particular chapter of history, because, you know, if you go back, uh, people love to talk about Joe McCarthy and I'm actually a pretty big fan of uh, Joseph McCarthy, Senator McCarthy. And uh, if, from what I've read about him and the, the, the uh, research I've done, but, you know, if you go back to look at the actual about the United States, the House, uh, you, 
uh, the House Un-American Activities Committee, that is usually like the gold standard of talking about what happens when, when uh, you know, a red scare, tech, you know, just being able to go out and they say that you have to warn against this kind of activity and, 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 and the United States government going after thought and all that stuff. And I guess there's some things to be said about that. But what bigger things to be said is that when there's an obvious problem that has been germinating and nobody is paying attention to it and even denying that it exists, uh, that's the bigger problem. And then when those who see what's going on continue to yell louder and louder that there's an obvious threat that is shielding itself from public view, then, of course, whoever controls the media can cast the conspiracy theorist, even back then in the early 20th century. Now, before the House Un-American Activities Committee uh, uh, came into being around the 1950s or whenever the hell it was, it was after World War II, we had in the 1930s started by a, I believe, a Texas Democrat, Martin Dyes. He started the Dyes Committee. And that is when we started really realizing how bad the infiltration of this communist, global communist uh, scourge was and how bad the infiltration already was prior to World War II. And uh, the, the doors were really kicked open during the New Deal under um, FDR because so many new government illegal illegal government uh, departments were being made and people were letting their commie friends in and working up the the ladder and and really starting to get into positions of prominence where they were dictating in real foreign and domestic policy to the point where I mean uh, Mao's China is only Mao's China because of uh, because of the commies that had made their way into the White House uh, how how the State Department was was, you know, influenced uh, quite effectively into abandoning Chiang Kai-shek and, and allowing uh, communism to flood into China, Absolutely. which was, you know, but, and, and, but here's the bigger thing. You have this other thing that was starting to be found going on inside the United States because we resisted going into the League of Nations. We resisted a lot of different things. So the, the communist front was starting to become identified in uh, the supposed student groups and also more investments being made in traditional media at the time, whether it be print, radio, what have you. And what they're starting to show, what you can see now, because hindsight being 2020, how the communist front started to shift, how they have this, uh, they have this pattern of changing their names and changing their stances and their footing as war allegiances change. Like you can see all of these, you know, students for democracy. Anytime you see any, a group that has a name like that, you know it's 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 no good. It's a front. Um, it's the 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 chain they change names and stances. For example, during World War II, prior to Hitler and Stalin going on the outs, um, they were very pro peace, pro war. Once Hitler and Stalin were on the outs, they they wanted the United States to get involved with the war because they. They wanted more. Uh, they wanted more backup for the communists in Russia, the Bolsheviks in Russia. They wanted the United States to be enlisted into that war to help them. So you can see how there's always this uh, this, this this shifting that goes around, and and it's really not based on anything that is that is uh, you know principled. It's really always just biased and very self centered. For example, you mentioned the the ignorance of the learned ignorance of the students that are out there dumping milk and stuff, the oil paints, 
they're using oil paints that they don't know. They're, they're using petroleum products. The, their jeans are made. The jeans that they're made, uh, wearing are made of petroleum. The, rub, the rubber on their shoes. The cell phones that they use, along with along, and the cell phones that they use, not only are they petroleum products, but the microchips inside, whose raw materials are largely harvested in poor parts of Africa. They, they've all they, every last one of those idiots pretty much have a blood diamond in their back back pocket. They don't care about that. So if you if you're looking for consistency and principle, it's always been that way. Uh, it's always been this way where they're they're shifty. And you can't really hold them down to one thing. And it's always very um, ideologically driven to the point of inanity. They have no consistency. But the real, the real thing now, Ryan, is uh, the, it, it, they're so far off the, way, the rails that it, they, they look very naked and very frazzled. And there's no, there's no calm demeanor to their, um, their nonsense anymore. It, they're, they're very, very... Uh, I don't know, just I would say frantic and flailing. Well, this is what well, this is part of I, I, I think, yes, that's true. But I think part of that is part of the ideology. I mean, this is what Mao talked a lot about Mao, uh, his little red book and all of his little red guards. They got college students, high school students involved in tearing signs down, changing language, harassing people, stealing things, vandalizing things, ripping statues down, destroying books, burning books, etc., was that there would be the idea was there's constant perpetual conflict, confusion, and revolution, that there is constant class struggle or class warfare. And this was even happening in, in, in terms of communist China. This was happening in the highest parts of the Communist Party. Mao would routinely purge even some of the people that were around him that he trusted to show that everybody else around him, uh, you know, that they should be worried that things could change and things could uh, turn on a dime for them. So it was always about using fear and confusion uh, and making it seem like nothing makes sense intentionally, but you have to continue to listen to where the source of the information is coming from. So in China, it was Mao. In other cases, we have big think tanks, we have big groups. Like, for example, uh, the, the Stanford Research Institute, their Center for the Study of Social Policy, published a, uh, I guess it was kind of like an article, but it was a more of a think tank document called The Changing Images of Man. Have you ever read that? No, I have not. It's the first time I'm hearing of it. This is a really, really interesting document. The Changing Images of Man. It says that, the, that there are a series of things we can do to change uh, the direction of, of societal development. Here are some of the things. Tell me if they sound familiar. Youth involvement in political processes. Well, that would be March for Your Lives, that would be all the little groups that you mentioned. That would be these so-called vegan activists. That would be the people throwing paint, these young kids throwing paint or throwing uh, some kind of foodstuffs on uh, these paintings or these drawings, these pieces of priceless uh, art and culture. Number two, women's liberation movement. I'm pretty sure we have an understanding of what that is. A lot of that is Planned Parenthood. A lot of that is abortion. A compl oh, yes. complicated subject, but nevertheless... In an extremist view, I mean, you have people here in Arizona running for governor. They want abortion to be legal after birth, literally. Uh, number three, black consciousness. Well, that would be your Black Lives Matter, which when you, I mean, I just wrote a whole book on this. When you study the history of, of BLM, the little history they have, they use the same tactics the Ku Klux Klan used. It's all based on racial profiling, destroying family structures. It's, it's exact, exactly the same thing. Uh, and number four, I won't go through the whole list. But number four, youth rebellion against societal wrong. So 
Stanford Research Institute, they're talking about using the youth in political processes and in, quote, this is a quote, rebellion against societal wrongs. So their perceived societal wrongs are oil and gas and coal that they don't understand gives them the cushy life that they get to live in the developed world. It gives them the food. It gives them the resources that they need to be so ignorant that they want to destroy the whole thing. But the people that are financing them and providing them with this corrupting ideology are the big corporations and the big banks that they supposedly hate in the first place. So it's very, very, very similar to what in the white papers they refer to as just using young, for lack of a better word, young, dumb, naive kids that don't have mothers or fathers in the home or mothers or fathers who are teaching them how to be you know, good human beings and members of society They want to use them in political processes to right societal wrongs because if a kid does something like this, it's a lot harder to respond to a kid because, oh, you're hurting a kid if you try to stop them as opposed to some, you know, 50-year-old climate activist psychopath who tries to do the same thing. You know, the police pull that guy to the ground and give him a couple whacks with a stick. People aren't going to be as concerned. You can't do that to a a 15-year-old kid who tries to do it. They're using them as shields to advance their corrupting, end-of-the-world, anti-human agenda, Frank? Uh, yes, <clears throat> yes. And, oh, man, so much just came up uh, for me as you were saying all that because, obviously, whatever the end game is, there's no room for these very confused, confused to the point of ineffectual in all meaningful, categ- uh, meaningful uh, I would say, uh, m- meaningful ways in life. Anything that a person need, any skill, any mindset they would need to hone and to make part of their overall ethic in going out and working and living is is being completely voided and sterilized and burned out of younger generations. So what does this create? It creates a battle bot mentality that is only useful for a time because um, once people who are riding these poor uh, and I'm not saying that I'm saying not saying poor, like economically poor. A, a lot of these these uh, climate activist children come from pretty well-to-do families. They've just lost their 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 minds. I'm saying poor, as in it's. Uh, I'm lamenting them. These poor kids that are out there, they are serving a very temporary purpose. You're talking about the insanity of things like uh, Arizona. Some people there and elsewhere. I mean, I'm in New York. I, I saw. Ooh. I lived there. Yeah, dude, I I watched the New York State Assembly in. We got about 40 seconds, by the way. Until what? It's until break here. A little under 30 seconds. But go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I I saw the New York State Assembly over here in Albany give a standing ovation and the, the lights on the top of the Empire State Building flushed with pink for a for a, uh, a bill that was passed that allowed people to kill their children up until the day of their birth. I remember that. I, I mean, they're just the mentality. I got more on that, but I know we got to go on a break. It, it's, it's demented. It's demonic. Frank from Quite Frankly, our guest this evening here on The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. A Warhol-like footing. I'll tell you more after break. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. 
This is David Icke from davidicke.com and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. If you look back into the history books, there actually isn't a lot written about this. A three-part series written by Frank Decoder. He's a professor in Hong Kong. He just recently got into the Chinese Communist Party archives and wrote a three-part history book series. I've been recommending this to everybody. I recommended it to David Knight when he was on, and he was looking into it uh, off-air. It's really interesting, really fascinating, because it parallels so interestingly and terrifyingly with everything that's been happening in the United States in the last 20, 30 years, especially the last three or four years, you look back into that history, you find something that I've told you about before, the Three Red Banners campaign, which was an ideological slogan used in the 1950s in China that encouraged the public to build, you've heard that word recently, build a better socialist state on the ashes of the old nationalistic Burgessy world, which was founded on capitalism. In other words, destroying the past to build back better. Destroying the past is part of the four olds. They called it the four olds. That's what Mao called it. The four olds were ideas, customs, habits, and culture. They had to be destroyed, and older generations had to be eliminated so that the new generation could come along and they could establish these things new habits, new traditions, new ideas, new cultures, new customs, etc., to build back on the ashes of the old world. Now, when we have things today like canceling people, right? Canceling people is tantamount to a social struggle session where you have to apologize or beg the mob to grant you judgment of forgiveness. This is the same kind of a thing we have on go to mainstream media websites. I think NBC News has something you can go and 
basically apologize for living, apologize for using your car and having children. They have a climate apology page you can go apologize on. Very similar. And, you know, conviction in the court of public opinion in regard to the struggle section is immediate cancellation and social execution. And, of course, the court is incredibly biased. Uh, When you look at things like, well, for example, we think of democratic socialism. And our guest tonight, Frank, from Quite Frankly, brought this up, the changing of the words, the changing of these different groups, you know, uh, students for democracy, uh, you know, college kids for whatever it is. It's the same thing uh, that Mao used, the same kind of uh, ideology, the same kind of psychology that Mao used when he called the Communist Party the People's Republic of China. And any criticism is just dismissed today of these things. You know, real communism hasn't been tried. I always tell people real capitalism hasn't been tried. The irony of this is that communism, whatever you want to call it, has been tried and it always leads to millions of people being murdered and millions of people, tens of millions of people starving to death. And Stalin murdered and starved to death near next to somewhere around 9 million Ukrainians. The Holodomor. Look that up. Holodomor. We don't hear about those 9 million Ukrainians that died of murder and starvation. We don't hear typically about the 45 million Chinese that died under Mao's famine. We're not supposed to know about any of these things because real communism hasn't been tried yet. But when you look at these historical parallels, Frank, I find them to be, well, they're parallels. I find them to be disturbingly similar to what's happening today. We blame a virus, not public policy, but we blame a virus for food shortages and the UN saying millions of more people are going to starve to death. And the climate activists, as we're now switching from SARS-CoV-2 to just CO2, this invisible thing we can't breathe, can't interact with people, have to track everything, trace everything, carbon footprint trackers. Now that we're switching to that, these activists, so-called activists, these vandals that are trying to destroy art, these vandals that are destroying public property in the name of saving the environment, climate change in the name of protecting the planet, They are working for, quite literally, the big corporations, the big banks, and in some cases, the big oil companies that they supposedly hate so much that they're willing to go commit acts of of, of criminal activity. So there's something off here. There's something wrong here on the surface. But when you look at it, it doesn't take very long to recognize where this is coming from. This is the exploitation of the youth to advance political, corporate banking globalist agendas and they are like stalin said they are basically useful idiots i think oh yeah oh yeah very it's very very well said um very well said because it it is all um counterintuitive it's all very counterintuitive what they have been groomed into doing and asking for you're you're seeing people who have who obviously you you understand especially Ryan, better than most with all the work that you've done and understanding how, um, from an esoteric standpoint, how very few people understand the, the buttons, all the buttons that are available to be pushed on, on a human being, especially when you get them into a group mentality. Uh, it's, it's, harder, it's harder to really pull a fast one on people as individuals, not that they're not already gullible in that sense, but group mentality the more people that get together, the I, the collective IQ goes down to almost nothing. And I, 
I, I think about this constantly because, yeah, the one thing that has been hijacked the most is human compassion and the the need to be a part of something, wanting to be on the right side of history, wanting to be a part of something that's special. But it, it turn it usually turns out that people are made into these altruistically suicidal uh, creatures that don't understand anything. First of all, capitalism. I know a lot of Austrian economic uh, professors, professors and free market um, pundits and all that stuff who would even go out and say that it was the communists who created the term capitalist to become some sort of a smear, that they prefer Austrian economics or free market uh, economics, anything like that. To, so, so to not get tripped up in all these new age nonsensical conversations, though, that even stating your terms doesn't help you these much that much these mm-hmm. days anyway. Here's a tweet. As you were talking, I went. And I found a little something that I had tweeted out not too long ago. It's from a uh, a commie, I guess, some tanky out there, who said this. <clears throat> What's incredible about capitalism is that many of its ardent defenders literally don't know what it is. They think it's just trade or freedom. Capitalism is when people, some people, own everything necessary to produce modern society, and we have to sell our labor to give uh, to them in order to live. Now, what's what's hilarious about that? It goes it speaks to right what you were talking about. These mindless fools advocate for monopoly while identifying monopoly as the cause of their suffering. They, I mean, it's, it's well said. It's absolutely, it's it's absolutely incredible. They des- they describe every communist government ever by talking about the ails of capitalism. And the worst thing about the free market is that you may have actually something to bargain with. If you have nothing in a free market society, you have something to bargain with if all you have is your labor. And that's not slave labor. You agree to the terms of what you engage with people with. But they this is lost onto them because something has happened. Um, there's a few other things like that, that, that constitute this kind of uh, self, this, this contradictory, altruistically suicidal behavior here. You mentioned feminism. Well, I was looking at that milk protest. I saw that milk protest over the weekend. And the social dynamics in that one clip are incredible. Because, well, first of all, I mean, it didn't, as you said, I, I know uh, listening to you now, I heard that you're, you're a vegan. But I'll tell you, Ryan, um, the only thing that that made me do was go out. I, on Saturday night, I had a beautiful T-bone. And then today, as my wife was going out to go shopping with the baby, I asked her, hey, please get me two beautiful, the thickest you can find it, the thickest ribeye steaks you can find. So I'm going to be uh, making myself some really good steaks throughout the week. So that, that's the one thing it inspired me to do. And I also do love milk as well. But um, well, they probably well, they pro- exactly they probably encouraged a lot of people by doing that to rebel themselves by going out and doing what what you just did. Right. That's what usually happens. The, did you notice the the the, the, the social dynamic? The cuck yes. boy standing there. Absolutely, I did. Yes. Oh my gosh, Ryan! This is a literal slave boy. You have these two tyrant women who are uh, completely indicative of what it is to be, I don't know, empowered in the West now. These two women who think that they are just they are just warriors, but they are pathetic. And in any other part of the world, they would be worth nothing more than their weight in chickens. Okay. 
this overinflated sense of power because of this nonsensical girl power trope that has been built up in the West and that is only available because of the because of the protection they are given by men with guns, by the way. And the other thing there too is you have the, the two tyrant women dumping all of the all of the milk and then rural slave whole line about you know whatever their movement is called and he is the, the body language on this completely owned child is incredible. He, his, his, his shoulders are slumped. He doesn't want to look anybody in the eye. He's a literal slave, Ryan. I know you saw it. Oh, I saw it. And, yeah, I saw you posted uh, that to Twitter. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Holy moly. It, he's a slave. The, and, par- then, and then also... Well, I was going to say they're they're part of animal rebellion, just so anybody who wants to look this up, animal rebellion and their slogan is plant based future. Go ahead. Yeah, no, they're the animals that need to start rebelling, (laughs) uh, you know, for real. I mean, they're the ones that are are captured here. It even gets down to other things. And we're talking about food. We're talking about uh, art and all that stuff. But what about history? The rebellion against history. The, uh, I, there's many things you can say about historical figures in the past, especially if you are going to a, a, a attempt to apply 21st century mentality and sensibility to anything from hundreds of years ago. You're going to have a bad time as far as finding consistency and a, and, and a perfect hero. No matter what or, it is, no matter what right. it is. Yeah, you're, you're, you, that you're setting yourself up for, fa- for failure. But Columbus Day every year, I always celebrate Columbus Day, and I thank Christopher Columbus for everything he did and some of the concessions even that he had to make. But he did not show up in a perfect hemisphere in the, the, uh, in the West. He, there was nothing perfect here before he showed up, nothing after and during his time on Earth. But I'll tell you something. To see these, these similar types of slave boys and girls protesting in, in one way or another against their own birth, because if not for people like Christopher Columbus, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. You want to talk about butterfly effect. I mean, for, for people to feel so self-important in the 21st century, 500 years removed from, a, uh, from an event, to effectively be saying, I shouldn't be alive today and the world would be better for it. Even though there's no empirical data to say the world would have been better. If one thing or another didn't happen in, in, in the year 1492, it's incredible, the disconnect. It's psychological sabotage. It's, it's huge. No, no, it's, you're, you're... It's suicidal. It's totally suicidal. In fact, my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is 100% about this. I mean, I looked into the history of, of slavery worldwide, and you learn about things like the Middle Passage, the ships crossing the Atlantic... But they never teach you about the slaves that were forced across the Sahara Desert. They never teach you about the, the, the Muslim slave trade, which is ongoing today, by the way. The African slave trade, which is ongoing today, by the way. They never teach you that for as many terrible things as colonialism and imperialism did, one of the things that they accomplished was ending the slave trade. And what's amazing about historical figures like Thomas Jefferson is not that he owned slaves by inheritance, but that he fought against political Sometimes people that were on his political side of the aisle, he fought against many people in his party and against his party at the time. They weren't the same kind of parties, but politically speaking, people that agreed with him otherwise to end the institution of slavery. And this was an incremental process that went on until about 1828 when the Democratic Party was founded in order to preserve the institution of slavery. And they used racial 
justifications to do it. Racism was never the basis for slavery. It was a last-ditch effort to justify it because skin color was something that was really obvious. Otherwise, slavery had existed since the beginning of recorded time, and even to this day, Frank, slavery is still present everywhere in the world, pretty much, except developed Western civilization. And the thing that's amazing about that is if you look into China in particular, where we get a lot of our stuff, I mean, I have an Apple computer. I'm not proud of it. I try to limit my, my, my consumption of these things. But people that go protest against slavery and against history and against books are using iPhones and Nike shoes that are literally made by modern day slaves. And then they're telling white people that it's your fault that they're enslaved, even though they're not enslaved. This doesn't make any sense, and history shows us that it's actually the United States of America and most of our founding fathers that broke the historical chains. They didn't tighten them, and they certainly didn't create them. I I think it's a very, very salient point that you make there, and there's more that you can even add to that. Uh, For example, um, when you think about their overpopulation claims, I, I bring this up on my show every few months, I feel it feels like when, because, you know, the news, and I don't like spending a lot of time on current events on my show, but we do the headlines, we make sure that we know, you know, what time of day it is, and then we try to find something to deeper to, to jump into. But you know how the news is cyclical, and every once in a while we start, we, we obsess about the, the, the climate for a couple of uh, weeks, and we talk about overpopulation, and that goes away. We talk about healthcare. Then we talk about racism. Then we talk about guns. Then we—it's it, just this this wheel that keeps going around. And um, when we talk about overpopulation in particular, the people who are always saying that we need to have less babies, um, what they're saying is, and it's incredibly racist for everybody to be so obsessed about race. It's an incredibly racist form of eugenics that they're pushing with this overpopulation stuff because the only people having Children in the world are in Africa and Asia and in some parts of South America. We have been convinced. We have convinced ourselves to depopulate the Western world. No nation in uh, the U.S., Canada, uh, Europe, no nation is above replacement rate as far as as far as uh, reproduction goes. No nation is is above or at the 2.1 children per woman replacement rate. So uh, we're, every year there's less and less white European people, and still the left continues to complain about overpopulation. It's statistically they, verifiable. You're right. It's statistically well, verifiable. And I'm saying to myself, is this not a red flag for any of the, uh, the, 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 the race baiters out there? Do you not understand that, that uh, mostly white leftists are complaining that too many brown people are being born in Africa and Asia? I mean, it, it, they, they don't, they can't even find a way to make the connections of what they're saying. And then again, the irony, again, the irony, because when you say, well, uh, you know, uh, absent in the West, except for the policies uh, suggested by leftists, there's no, there's no slavery. Well, when you think about what we're backing ourselves into right now, it's the worst form of slavery than I can, I can imagine We're we are, we're currently allowed to leave the house every day and go pick up a half a gallon of milk on our own. But think about how we are being squeezed on what we can say and where we can keep our money and how there is no privacy and that, and how the, the history, I mean, the, anything that we, it, it really is getting suffocating. The, the chains, the chains are not physical over here, but the, it's, it's, 
it's coming psych- back and it, well, it's psychological. It's actually very similar to right after um, or right around the time of the reconstruction process after the civil war, a lot, and they always say, well, the democratic party is not the same. Well, that's true. The Republican party is not the same either, but the point is they're using the same ideology today. Everything's race-based. Everything is sex-based, gender-based. It's very Marxist class warfare, class struggle. So around the time of reconstruction, Frank, what you had was a lot of people that had been slaves that were no longer slaves officially, they were brought back into slavery with things called apprenticeship. When apprenticeship didn't work and when the North sent uh, soldiers and military governors down to the South to occupy Southern towns that refused to get rid of their slaves, what you found was that when white people would go around to help register black folks to vote, they would get attacked by the Ku Klux Klan or at the time what was becoming the Ku Klux Klan. A lot of people don't know white people were lynched at about the same rate that black folks were in most places. In fact, white people were the main targets of the Ku Klux Klan for a long, long piece of American history because they were trying to get blacks on the voter registration to vote. And when blacks would go and vote in those places, I'm just saying black to to keep this, you know, polarized so we can see uh, the, the separation when black folks would go vote. They would be terrorized with guns and knives and intimidation and threats that if they don't vote for Democrats, they're going to end up killed. And this actually happened down in some places like Louisiana. There were massacres of former slaves by the Democratic Party because they were trying to vote for Republicans. I'm not saying Republicans are perfect. I'm saying that there's a long history of this type of racial discrimination and the same types of 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 terms and words and ideologies that were used then are being used today. I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans. It's anybody using that kind of racial, um, that racial bias and that racial ideology. And I think a really good example of this uh, can be found in uh, the, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know if you listened to this little interview that uh, these these two reporters were asking this guy. He's a black man asking him if he gets along with other black coaches like Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's like, well, I don't think race or skin color has anything to do with it. And this one woman, this white reporter asks this guy, she says, so you don't think it's important for people to see you that, you know, they look like you and there's representation. Uh, And he says, uh, yeah, it's yeah, well, it's totally disgusting. And he responds to her and he says, well, uh, I mean, that kind of implies that we're odd or we're oddballs or we're weird to begin with. Like, I think if you stop talking about this and trying to make this about skin color all the time, I think the racial issue goes away. And he's a, this guy's 100 percent. I didn't even know who he was. I, I don't watch football. He's 100 percent right. It's the white reporters. It's just like the old white, liberal, rich, wealthy Democrats of the South. They're the ones creating the racial division. And no matter if they call it equity or equality or they want to fight racism, everything they do is racist and bigoted and, and hateful. And it's the psychology of this, which is has, has shifted. It's the same ideology being used today. It's like the Ku Klux Klan went after whites. They also went after black people. BLM goes after the same kinds of people. They go after white people. They go after black people. It doesn't matter. As long as you don't agree with the ideology, you are the enemy, Frank. I know it's, 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 it's tremendous. And you know what I would love to see, Ryan, I would love to see somebody uh, suggest, because of course it's not a, it's not really about, not really about fighting one thing or another. It's about being the one at the top of the mountain, controlling everybody below. Yeah. And I would love to see somebody suggest, Hey, let's build a stateless society. And I want to dismantle the government that has been such a burden on people of all color and all races for so long. Uh, that government response to one thing or another, a pandemic, 
a depression. Government response to depression has been shown, proven without a doubt, to make the depressions worse and longer lasting. The government response to pandemics has made things worse, longer lasting, destroyed people's lives, their businesses, their social skills, everything. How about we get away from this all-encompassing, all-powerful government? And let's, let's suggest that to all of our, our commie friends out there, go out, let's dismantle the government, acquire yourselves, own, it'll be yours, 300 acres of land somewhere, and just disappear. Disappear into the acreage of the land and, and grow your own food and just, just, just be alone. That would be great. I would love to see that kind of thing there. But it's not about actually doing all of the utopian kind of things that they talk about on the campaign trail. It's about letting people suck on that like a pacifier while they figure out how to morph all of, the, um, all of their, all of their in- industry motives into one one small consolidated nut. Well, right. Just, right. Yeah. Exactly. Frank, if you think capitalism is, is exploiting labor, wait until you read about the history of communism is what I tell people, because communism is the ultimate exploitation of the human population where government literally controls everything. You know, they, they tell you everybody will be equal. Well, that means you'll be equally poor. You won't own anything. And they'll make you be happy about it, because if you're not happy about it, you're going to a forced labor camp. This isn't hyperbole. This isn't me trying to be uh, frightful. I'm not trying to scare you. This is just what history shows us. In fact, there's a I want to play this clip for you, Frank. You ever seen a movie called Mr. Jones? No, I don't think so. I'd recommend that you go see this. Anybody who hasn't seen this movie, it's actually a movie about how evil Stalin is. Surprisingly, it's not just about Hitler. Uh, But George Orwell is portrayed in this movie, and this is an interaction between the journalist and George Orwell talking about socialism. Take a listen to this. What about the free schools? Free hospitals? Yes, but at what cost? The more egalitarian society does exist, it's just not perfect. We we can't expect it to be. Experiments take time, Joe. An egalitarian society is the same system of exploitation that exists here. Only it's worse. It's the same system of exploitation, except it's worse. It's a mm-hmm. really good, really good movie. If you haven't seen it, that's a really good clip. But anyway, Frank, we've only got a few minutes left here. Uh, I wanted to give you a moment to mention your show, quite frankly, and then we'll wrap up with maybe uh, one little thing about these uh, protests with the paintings and all that stuff. Go ahead. Well, I, I thank you again, Ryan, for having me on. And I, um, I, I've been doing this show for a long while now. I've been streaming and, and doing online radio since about 2006. And uh, around 2010 is when I started branching off and, and doing a little bit more solo with current events and conspiracy theory, hidden history, all that stuff. And I do that under the name, quite frankly, and that is live Monday through Friday night uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on uh, live on a number of platforms, but all of your options, viewing options, can be found on quitefrankly.tv, including watching right there. And um, and then, of course, there's the podcast and everything else. I, it features people like Ryan, Ryan Gable. We love going down all these different types of rabbit holes and keeping things varied because the, the monotony of everyday life, especially with the uh, what we've been fed in the by the, the, the normal news cycle is just soul killing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I appreciate the time. I really do my friend. Thank you. 
you got it, Frank. It goes too fast. We'll have to do another show here, a full show, and then we'll do another show on your show. How, how do you spell quite frankly for listeners so they can look it up? Q-U-I-T-E-F-R-A-N-K-L-Y dot TV. There you go. Quite frankly. Dot TV. You got a good radio voice, too. It sounds really good. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. Oh, I, oh I, that's, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's, yeah, you got uh, you it. Know, it's crazy. I listened to, listen to some of the, the earlier things we did in, in, high, in college, and then I, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was so high-pitched. And then you think about uh, how, how we, we mature so much. I think, I think, Ryan, the more we talk, the more we callous. And that has to be what's going on here. I, I, listen, I just did my 13th anniversary show last week, and I, I was listening to some of the old shows I did, and I, I, I said that I sounded like a flamboyant guy with vocal fry. It just sounded horrible, <laughs> horrible. But <laughs> anyway, we've got um real, real quick recap for anybody who maybe missed some of the earlier show tonight. The show is not about communism, but it's about how we have vandals attempting to vandalize the Mona Lisa uh, environmental activists or vandals trying to, uh, well, they glued themselves to Van Gogh paintings and Horatio McCulloch paintings, climate activists gluing themselves to a copy of the last Sepper climate activists in Italy, gluing themselves to Sandro Botticelli's Primavera vegan activists as they call themselves see i'm i'm a plant-based eater because it's fixed my heart problems and it's fixed my potential diabetes problems it's fixed a lot of issues i've had and i do it for nutrition and health reasons not because of climate but these vegan activists uh, they've destroyed meat counters milk uh, poured milk out they've destroyed cheese counters at department stores in the uk uh, climate protesters have used a lot of orange spray paint or yellow spray paint to spray uh, a police sign uh, in, uh, in the New Scotland Yard sign in Westminster. Keep going down this list. Climate activists throw soup on Vincent Van Gogh painting in an oil protest, despite the fact that, well, the uh, soup can that they're using, the little cover for that soup can is made with, well, it's made with petrol. It's made with oil. It's made with uh, plastic, one of the most common plastics, polyethylene in the world, uh, much like the spray paint that they're using a lot of these groups funded by the same group, the climate emergency fund in California. Uh, they're, they're basically uh, using spray paints that are made with well petroleum again, and the oil paintings they're protesting are actually made with plant-based oils. Kind of ironic. So that's everything that we have tonight. Frank, thank you so much for coming on the show. You remember uh, Prince now King Charles, he said climate change and biodiversity loss are no different. In fact, they pose an even greater existential threat to the extent we have to put ourselves in what might be called a warlike footing. I've called the show tonight a Warhol-like footing, and I think that the war or the Warhol-like footing is a war against human nature, against human culture, against traditions, against families, against everything that is beautiful and wonderful in the world. And I think that we are we're, we're, we're showing this in history books, that what happens is when you attack these things, the people that are doing it, are never the good guys. They're usually authoritarians and control freaks, and they murder intentionally or by accident through famine, which sometimes is also intentional, millions of people. So this is an anti-human agenda. They do not like the human race for some reason, do they? No, they do not. And I, I'm glad that you brought up uh, Prince Charles, now King Charles. King Charles. Because he's the one, he's the really big, he, he and the Pope, they were big, big people in the, the summer of 2020 that gave us the Great Reset narrative big time. They were the ones that really delivered it. They hammered it home, and he talked, 
he spoke very, uh, very bluntly on how we needed a militarized approach to changing the world. I think he said he needed a Marshall Plan approach, which, you know, as you know, after World War II, the Marshall Plan was only necessary after they leveled all of Europe with bombs. So to build it back, build it back better. The three red banners, which happened to be on the Joe Biden campaign logo, Uh, quite frankly, Frank from quite frankly, quite frankly, dot TV. Frank, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. All right, there goes Frank. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Please leave us a review on any of the radio podcast players. Grab a copy of my new book, Liberty Shrugged, or any of my other books like Occult Arcano or The Technological Elixir. Subscribe to the archive at thesecretteachings.info. And as always, stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Be informed. Don't be afraid or scared. We'll be back tomorrow night. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) 